Heat seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. Well, we're back. <laughs> it's been how long has it been? Like a month? It feels like a month. I don't. I don't honestly know. I don't know. But we had to. We had to take a break to like do less fun things <laughs> <laughs> to, to watch uh, mostly better movies. Yeah. And, uh, well, better than The Runner, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Better than some other ones we've watched. Yeah. Maybe not so. Yeah, we're we're back in the shit. We're back in this weird droopy part of uh, the Cage filmography. And uh, I think I was underestimating the willpower it would take to get through this. Phase. I was too, because like the first, like at first, I was like, "This is fine." If there's six more movies like the Frozen <laughs> Ground, I can deal with it. But not only are there sixteen more movies, but they're worse than the Frozen Ground. Yeah, like I just keep looking at like 2018. And being like, wow, it's going to be amazing once we finally get there. Yeah, I know. Well, at least we have, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's at least true. I know that we have some like good stuff coming. But it was like, it's like we hit Joe. We hit Joe in like 2013 or whenever that came out. And now we're waiting to get to like Mandy. Right. I mean, and basically. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like the best I can hope for is that some of these movies will be fascinating. And for the most part, they are in to a degree like this this one 2015's the runner uh was which i have a lot of problems with the title that we'll get into <laughs> yeah. in a little bit um it, it, it i ended up feeling like i actually have things to say which is better than outcast for me like outcast was not the worst movie we've seen but that was definitely like a dark one for me cuz i just had just nothing to give <laughs> So um, this one almost I wouldn't say it's a worse movie than Outcast, but it was less enjoyable for me to watch. Mm, OK, because at least Outcast had a like what the fuck factor. And there were like a handful of cool martial arts. Scenes. Yeah. And it was sillier. Right. This one, he's just jogging for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the jogger. The jogger. Uh, boy. Well, let's get into it. All right. Um, yeah. I, I have I, I have two like big uh, sort of just think I I'll start with the, like, I feel like I've, I've ranted about this before, but, um, I, it really crystallized here w for me, which is like here we, this movie was written and directed and produced by, um, a man named Austin Stark who surprise, surprise, it's his first movie. Cage uh, loves working with yeah, first time directors. Right. It's like, it, it's, it's like, it's, Do you know what I think it is that he knows that, compared to the cachet, like basically he knows that he is, he is bringing everything to the table. Right. He, he'll, and, he'll get a decent amount of money and he can do whatever he wants. Right. Basically. And because he knows that he's the only reason their movie's getting funding mm -hmm. and they are not yet experienced enough to be able to say no to Nick Cage. Yeah. I think that is a big part of the appeal is that like he, he has creative freedom and, but it's weird looking at a movie like this where, he uses that creative freedom to put Do in nothing. a, a very, very <laughs> sleepy performance. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but he did nothing this whole no. movie. There wasn't even a good freak out scene. No. Which is at least something that even the blandest cage movies, they'll give you at least one or two scenes where he just goes full cage. Yeah. His, his, but this one, he was just like 
writing love poems to Sarah Paulson. Yeah. And that was like the extent of his, you know, yeah, I don't know. Reminded me a bit of like the family man or like some sort of, yeah, I, I don't know his, uh, the, the moat. He was definitely like in first gear for the whole movie. <laughs> um, but like, but it, it seemed like by choice. Yes. It seemed like the, there that was his creative choice. Right. Like it seemed like there were opportunities where he could have, gotten to at least second oh, yeah. if not third gear yeah but he just didn't take those opportunities yeah he barely raises his voice and and it's weird because it's not like the, I, I was watching i was like are we watching him act like is this like i mean clearly we're it's a performance of some kind but it's like it, it's just you know he's he, he's very far from his like western kabuki like over the top shit but he's even like i i don't know it's just like what I just didn't even know how I felt about the performance. Cause it, it, okay, here, I guess here's what's weird is it's, we're used to seeing a, a movie where not just will he like, you know, bring it up a few notches, but he'll also like maybe make a, at least one choice that feels like very much his own, whether the script calls for it or not, which is a, a fun thing. But in this, like, I didn't see any of that. No. Like, he he was hitting his mark and saying the lines and that was it in a very fluid non accent yeah even Dude, the I'm, accent was like this like this i know this is something we bring up it's seemingly <laughs> every episode now at this point <laughs> we have to always talk about what accent he's either doing or not doing but like really sometimes in the same sentence yeah. like he'll start a sentence he'll the certain words will be with an accent and then, yes. and then the whole he'll, last like, half of the up. sentence, he'll just like give up halfway through and just talk in his regular voice. It's yeah. It, it's it, just the most bizarre, like choice. Just like, a gesture towards an accent as if to say like just the bare minimum to remind you that he's supposed to be in this case from Louisiana. <laughs> he's supposed to have grown up in Louisiana. And But that's the weird thing is he's not even doing a Louisiana accent in this no. movie. He's just doing a weird mishmash of Southern accents. Yes. As he's want to do like multiple different Southern regions of the country. Right. All, all in the same, in, in the same accent. Right. And, but we, and we've seen that in, you know, Zandali or, or whatever, but at least like he, but he, at least like, the rest of his performance, in those kind of movies are is over the top enough where the weird accent seems like a bolder choice than just being lazy. And he commits to whatever that accent is, even if the accent sort of like wanders around as this weird like gumbo of of uh, regions. Like it, it, like in this, he sounded like a Californian who kept maybe just like forgetting where he was, or like I don't know, like unconsciously mirroring Southern people who actually like, nobody spoke in a Southern accent no like, no one um, did peter fonda sarah paulson nobody um peter fonda came on real strong his yes. first couple scenes and then he, and then i almost forgot he was in the movie until he like came back to die toward the end yes it was Same. really weird it was Same. like it was almost as if they had almost as if they'd shot more of the father plot and then just cut a bunch of it out yeah, well you it, it's as if that but i i this uh, so we, we have another, like, I think this is a sort of, I want to, I want to say passion project, but it, like, no, I one don't think it's passionate. Seemingly no one was passionate in the least at all. Yeah. So, so I guess before I get into my rant, then here's some backstory on Austin Stark. He, uh, is, uh, shit. I'm blanking on the word. Um, 
publicist? What's publisher? What, producer. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God, Miles. Rough day, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in traffic for like an hour, so uh, give, give me a second. But like, no, so he, he was a producer, um, and he produced uh, Werner Herzog's My Son, My Son, What Have You Done? Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that was his company. He produced, uh, I think it was called Detachment. Yeah, um, with Adrian Brody, I believe. Um, Happy Thank You More, Please, which is a, a movie I just remember the title of. Yeah. Um, anyway, it pr- produced some indie stuff. Um, I think eight films before this one, and then was like, you know what? I'm ready to direct. Like I've wa- he said he, he watched Werner Herzog direct. He watched some other people direct, and was like, yeah, it's it's time now. I'm ready to do it. And I was like. And we keep seeing this thing of these first-time directors who either worked in commercials, like the, uh, the uh, dude who did Frozen Ground. Scott uh, Walker. Yeah, Scott Walker, not that not one. That one. <laughs> and these people who are there, it's like, they're like, yeah, it's my turn now. It's time. I I know I'm ready or like, to. Uh, there were two, there were at least two recently where the director was a stunt man or like a stunt coordinator before. Yes. Outcast, I think, yeah, and and uh, one one of the others, and it's like, you know, just because you're in the industry does not mean that you're ready to direct a movie. I mean, I would go so far as to argue that like, not everyone should direct. No, I don't think that just because you've seen other people do it well, you necessarily can do it yourself. Look at Nick Cage's Sonny. Look at Sonny, you know? <laughs> He's, I mean, Cage has worked with most of the great directors of uh, the 20th, the last half of the 20th century, and uh, that movie's a mess. Like, this is not a, a ground-shaking uh statement that not everyone should direct, but what crystallized for me was just the hubris of it, it, this idea that like, because, okay, if you want to direct a movie, go back to fucking film school or make, make some short films, right. make some, like this, this movie cost over a million dollars, cost millions of dollars. Like that's what's mind boggling to me is like, don't you want to dry run? Now I like Austin Stark made a couple short films. Cause I looked, I looked this up specifically. He, he did a movie in, 2003. No, he did a short film in 2003 called Killing Pedro, Pedro Rivera and one in 2006 called Love Slash Death Slash Cobain, as in Kurt Cobain. Oh. <laughs> and, but those when he, he was like 24. Right. And I can't find any, there's no video, there's nothing on the internet about them besides like an IMDb page. Yeah, it, nothing it, on them. they, they and, strike me, ju- just judging from your description, they strike me as like film festival shorts that like yeah. screened a handful of times and then like dropped off. Yeah, they, they cost, one of them cost 50000 to make, the other cost 75000 to make, which is a fuck ton of money. But like, you know, I, my sense of this guy is that he knows how to move money around right you know well he was a producer, a producer. That's, that's literally a An producer indie job. producer he can yeah. move money around so it sounds like he got maybe he went to film school and he got out of film school and he made a couple of things and uh was able to raise money and then he saw you know uh where his strengths were but then he's like you know waiting to do this movie and it's just yeah it's just the hubris of it that that pisses me off and um just 
I don't know, make a good, make a great short film. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing that I think is a little weird too, and we've seen this with the last couple movies where Cage worked with first time directors, you are not doing yourselves any favor with the material that you're choosing. Yeah. And I know that it's not always, you know, you can't always just, people don't always have the luxury of just choosing the exact project they want when they have no clout. So like, you know, I understand sure. maybe some of like, these were situations where it's like, well, let me do this one to build up some experience. And then, you know, then my passion project will be my yeah. second or third movie. Yeah. And he'll make but like but you're shooting yourself in the foot. I feel like by taking something lesser just to prove that you can do it because this movie didn't impress. I can't imagine that it impressed anyone. Right. No. I mean, did it even, was it even theatrically released or was it yeah, limited? It had a limited yeah. release and then pretty much immediately went to. It's surprising like to me that in 2015, we still weren't beyond the stigma of just dropping stuff right on VOD. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, this was like, we were on the edge of it. Like, I think this was released almost simultaneously, but it's funny. It's funny just realizing that we that that we're firmly in that era now and but we're looking back just a couple of years at that like transition period yeah. with stuff like this that um because if he had the plan to put it on vod like i wonder if he would have made a different movie um interesting yeah but i i don't know um you know i this this movie to me was not even it's not bad. It's certainly not good, but it, it's not like it didn't make me upset. There was no, it's, it's so competent in a lot of ways that we haven't seen with like, uh, the bad movies that I we mean, watched that it sort of is just incredibly bland, but like competent in the sense that it was able to like tell a story yeah, well, okay. cause that was really like, uh, like, I don't know if, well, well, it was a cohesive narrative is like enough to say that a movie is good. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and we'll get into the, the, I don't want to front load it with, with just uh, overarching, uh, maybe I do actually with just overarching criticism because I, <laughs> I mean, that's like, fine. Honestly, yeah. I feel like most of my, most of what I have to say about this movie are criticisms. Yeah. I mean, uh, but so, I, okay. So visually it's dog shit. It looks, it doesn't look good, but it also doesn't look, it's not like egregiously bad. It's just like, there's no style. It's, it's yeah. not shot with any style. It's a lot of like medium shots of people talking in sort of, uh, underlit boring rooms. It and does strike me. There were a couple points where I feel like they were trying to go for style, Yeah, but it was done in such a way that it just drew more attention to the fact that it wasn't well done. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like the, the thing that I'm thinking of, and it happened a handful of times in the movie, I don't remember specific scenes right now, but there, there were like 360 degree shots of just boring dialogue, you know, where the camera would <laughs> yeah. do, they would, it would be a medium shot of two characters just facing each other, having a conversation. And then the camera is just going in circles around <laughs> them. And you're like, there's nothing, no, there's no movement yeah. in the frame that necessitates this insane camera move like why why and 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 in doing so it just drew attention to the fact that the dialogue was like poorly written do you like do you yes. know what i'm saying yeah well i th i think like 
Um, and this, I love getting into this kind of nitty gritty because what I think what was what he was bad at. Uh, is that the blocking was really bad. Like nobody was actually like a, a good, a good director will block out a scene. So like people are moving and, and making choices uh, th- as they interact with each other that are, are visually interesting. And, and he couldn't, he, he, he didn't block anything, but he was just like, yeah, let's wave the camera around right, right. to and, make it interesting. And it kind of gives you the sense of, some some directors can have actors self block mm-hmm. in a way that uh, is interesting. Like I'm trying to think of like okay like 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 William Friedkin. I feel uh-huh. like some of his later stuff from like the 80s. There is a sense of like almost documentary style yeah. where the shots aren't perfect, but it still is done in a way where. That is like an artful choice yeah. in and of itself. David Gordon Green. Too. Yeah, totally, so, totally. Yeah, and actually, yeah, to be like to be more relevant, like like uh, I think Joe is a really good example. Yeah, of that, where you can tell that he didn't get in. He wasn't blocking it like a play where he was giving every character the movement based on the specific line they were saying. Like it very much felt like the actors were making, making character choices, choices yep. to naturalistically move through the space. Yeah, and that's fine. But there's not but a lot of movement in this movie. There's period. almost no movement in this movie. Just running. It's just <laughs> it's like that's like, it. The only scenes where there were serious movement are scenes where they're on a boat or where Nick Cage is jogging. Yeah. Those were the only that's scenes. It. And really the Oh, boat- and when he drives his car through the gate. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like that's not cool. I don't want to make fun of a character who's like so depressed and down in the dumps that he'll try to like drive into a garage to kill himself. That was the but like dumbest scene But that in the was just movie, to me, though. that was supposed to be the climax of the movie, yeah. and it was comical. Yeah. They didn't do a good job at all tonally no. of setting that up. No, okay. So visually it's a dog shit. It's not interesting to look at. Um the color palette is boring and it's another we keep, he keeps shooting movies in Louisiana and then I'll like read like like I read an interview with Austin Stark and he's like it's like Louisiana is just so inspiring you know this New Orleans it's so colorful and so blah 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 and it's just like you would not know it from this film it's all like grays and beiges and kind of washed out greens it's just like not good to look at um and here's something I think by 2015 we were already past this obviously there were some stragglers but I think in general, there was a really bad idea ha- that happened in a couple years post-Katrina where just having Louisiana or yes. New Orleans as a setting for yes. a movie was enough to make it, quote, about something. Yep. Because of all the baggage that was wrapped up in, like, how ba- how much the city got fucked by that, basically. Yep. Yeah, um, and, and Katrina and uh, is hanging over it, and in this one explicitly, uh, it's, you know... It's, it's uh, the, the, the BP, the, right. The BP spill, spill. In, in the Gulf that happened. Um, um, and, and I think in general that just kind of like brings about a, a greater issue with the movie was that tonally it didn't know what it was going for. Yes. Cause like, it wasn't really a movie about the oil spill. It wasn't really a movie about an affair scandal. It right. wasn't really a movie about like a specific po- like political family, uh, and their, kind of relationship with each other and which and with the city and it also wasn't a good love letter to new orleans yeah but i think it tried to be all these all things, things and and it didn't it wasn't successful at any of them it, that's exactly it and and yeah so like the what this film i think gets wrong that so many of these 
movies made by fucking amateurs that we keep watching get wrong because that's what <laughs> you this hear that Austin is. Stark you're a fucking, you're a fucking amateur. amateur and this is why because okay so you know how to like tell a camera op how to move you know like that's the type of shit that he was writing down he's like I'm gonna be a director but like here's the thing like life is is made of little moments like and and a good movie like Joe, let's keep bringing it back to Joe. Or like I saw Marriage Story recently. It's like you know you great movie, great movie, and another movie seemingly just about people's lives and relationships. Right. Which initially you could say, and when done in this way, mm-hmm. boring, not right. worth watching. But but when you have someone like a David Gordon Green, when you have someone like a Noah Baumbach, like at the helm, it becomes cinematic right and and Noah Baumbach is someone who uh, has he's you can tell the writing is precise because he has watched and studied people and so whereas David Gordon Green is a director who has done that but he also he loves amateur actors he loves giving people space to live in the movie and 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 so you have and what makes those movies great what makes them work is not that they have complex stories because they don't like you can sum up what happens in both of those movies in three or four sentences. And, but the, it's made up of little human moments. And this movie, like so many of these other stupid movies that we've been watching, they have these big incidents and big moments. And they're trying to tell these big stories because that's what fucking amateurs and dumb people think that a, a big grown-up movie is going to be. So you, they, rather than focusing on little humanistic, uh, the things that actually make life that the, you know, that because any human interaction is incredibly complex, but they don't, they don't have the ear or the eye for that. So rather than that, then he's trying to do so much. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be a political thriller, but it's also going to be uh, a, like, yeah, about a family, all those things that you said, he's trying to do all of those things. And he stuffed four or five big ideas into a script. And he's like, I got a movie. And it's like, no, pick at least just pick maybe one of those and do it well. But he can't. But he can't. None. N- there was no scene in this that felt like humans talking to each other. It all felt like a script, which can be fine in the hands of uh, somebody who knows what they're doing if they're trying to do that, or if they have a big story that they know how to like. You know, if it's Scorsese or whoever the fuck. Not even. But like, y- y- you just. They, what was the point? I kept just being like, what was <laughs> yeah, the point? Right. And, and I think I, I don't want to talk about it yet, but I think the ending, like I was like, oh, okay, I get the point. I see what you're trying to say. It's not deep, but at least I, I know what you were trying to say. But like, well, I, I think I would have been more affected if I had just watched a documentary about <laughs> an the, actual politician. Well, well, not even that. I was going to say like all of the weird institutional and systemic reasons why a company like BP can literally murder the ecosystem of an entire region and just like walk away with a pat on the back. Yep. Or not, that's not, not a pat on the back, uh, a slap, slap on the wrist. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm confusing my, my <laughs> metaphors here. Um, I think they got both. Yeah. But, 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 but you know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like that would have inspired me to, to become more emotionally invested in, in that problem than watching this movie where really the only way that they address the, the oil spill is as 
an inciting incident yeah. for like where his life begins to take a different turn. Right. Which was the first like head scratching thing was it? Cause it starts as so many great movies do with a bunch of put of news footage of, the, of uh, something that we all remember is the Gulf oil spill. And you say, Oh shit. Okay. And uh, which also, I feel like this isn't really something I want to hold against the movie, but I inherently distrust a film based on real events that only comes out five years after the actual event happened. You know, it's hard to do that well, you know, and and so there was also a certain part of me that was just kind of like, this is still and even now, four years on from when this movie came out, which puts us nine years after the oil spill, it's still too soon. There are still repercussions happening in the real world from this event that makes it hard to put this kind of cinematic distance on Well, it. yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell. Cause like you look at like the big short and that's, I don't think it's a great movie, but at least it knows what it's doing. And it's made by somebody who, who can achieve that, which is just like saying like, Hey, here's some details of a thing that happened that maybe you didn't miss. Here's what happened, basically reporting the news a little bit late and saying here, get mad. It's a polemic. And so that I think it's hard to make a, a, a polemic as a movie that's like a great movie, but um, it can be done. But this like it starts with that and say like, oh, shit. So this is about the Gulf oil spill. But wait, no, it's about a, a completely fictional character. So we're jumping. We're using this huge tragic event to jump off to this other story that just from the get go, you're going to need to make a good case as to why. Yeah, why you're piggybacking on this tragedy to tell this story? It had better be a like a, a story worthy of of using that. Spoiler: I, It's not. It's not. <laughs> like, am I crazy? Like, that's no, like no. It's a hundred percent not. You're you, right. Like, if you're going to, I was expecting it at first to like be at least pointed to someone or something in the way that Paul Schrader would have done, or like you know. Um, Oliver Stone, these guys who we're going to, we're going to come back to. And it didn't. So he had this other, this whole other just fictional story about a, a, about a guy that he wanted to tell. And I think it kind of comes back at the end, but it's like, but that story of the, the, the story of Cage's character could and should have been divorced from the BP oil spill. And I don't know that it would have been like a movie I still wanted to see, but I feel like it would have given the director more license to branch out and really make more of a statement about politics and how, you know, business as usual yes. is just politicians constantly compromising, go, like, compromising and like going to, and going back against, yeah. which, which is another thing. Like I have a, a, a maybe my biggest problem with this. Cause I can, I can watch a bad cage movie for the podcast and, be over it. Be yeah, like, okay, uh, you know, I'm we're gluttons for punishment at this point. We <laughs> we we know what we signed up for, uh-huh. so I I can you know try to find a, a couple morsels to say about it and then move on. But the thing that really outraged me about this movie was that not only did I have to sit through a shit movie that I didn't want to watch, but then <laughs> the final thesis of the fucking movie is, hey guys, guess what? Uh, 
dirty energy and oil is here to stay. So we might as well all just get used to it and compromise so that we can like live in harmony with these giant corporations that are fucking our planet. Well, see, I, I didn't, I didn't read it that way, but I, let's get, let's, let's work up to the ending. Let's, we've talked for like 15 or 20 minutes about in broad strokes about this movie that nobody listening to this has seen. So Let's. Uh, I, ju- I just want the audience to know that that I'm drinking while we're doing this. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into this plot because um, there's, I guess, a lot of it. I don't know. There's a lot of it, but then at the end of the day, like you were saying, there's no like specific, really big specific, uh, like tentpole well, parts of the yeah. The, movie. Well, the first like thing that like the indication that like this is not going to be a well-structured movie is that like, um, I mean, it start it, okay. BP oil spill. It's happening. We see Nick Cage watching the, the news. He's a Congressman. He gets up in front of Congress and he makes a speech where he's crying and he's, he's like in the most broadest sketch of a Southern accent is like, you know, my people grew up here. I grew up, these are the people I see every day and uh, they're, they're suffering and like, this cannot stand, sir. And, uh, and then the people love it. He's suddenly all overnight. He's a superstar. The people are loving it. Uh, we see uh, Connie Nielsen, who is his wife, and also in some undefined role as his political partner, campaign is manager. She, is she like legal counsel or something? I don't know. It's, it's never explained. It's not explained. No one's role is really explained. Sarah Paulson is a consultant. I Again, believe. not explained. And she somehow works for his office. Yes. And Wendell Pierce um, is... Who, oh. who, can I honestly say, was maybe the best actor in this movie? I mean, he could... He, he, all, like, all he had to do That's is a low bar, up. but I mean, yeah. even... Well, I mean... Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, and I, I also think like w- if you cast Wendell Pierce in something like this, you're like, you're like, hey, remember the wire? Remember Treme? <laughs> like, uh, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. And like, yeah, Wendell Pierce is great. He's if if you want to watch something about Louisiana um, that has way more to say about all of this, watch him in Treme. It's fucking brilliant. And I, everybody talks about the wire, but uh, Treme is pretty good too. So anyway, there uh, Wendell Pierce is like, hey, you gave that speech yesterday and it was really good. You should run for Senate. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, I don't I don't want to compromise my you know, I don't I, I don't want to just use just jump off of this uh, oil spill to do uh, something that goes against my values. Um, and uh, he's like, no, but you meant it. So it's good. And uh, so, OK, he's going to run a Senate thing. And Connie Nielsen gets him a meeting with some douchebag, some character actor who I recognize, but I didn't remember where he's from, um, who is a lobbyist for uh, Gulf oil producers, who's like, hey, man, you, I know you've been leaning left uh, politically with the environmental stuff, but you're a winner. You're, you should run a Senate campaign and we're going to back you. All you have to do is just take some pressure off of oil. Just don't, just stop saying bad stuff about oil. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to compromise on that. His wife is pissed off for some reason. This is like her, most of her character is she's sort of, she was grasping for power through his career, which is a shame because Connie Nielsen can do more than that. But, uh, 
that that is her character. She's really mad that he is not setting aside the values that I guess he's always had um, to just to be a senator. But also, like, there, there there is another issue here where I feel like this movie demonizes both the women in yeah. his life. Sarah, Sarah Paulson to a lesser extent, but she's still kind of made to be like a... Uh, someone that unfairly, you know, kind of pushes yes. him away. Yes, he is a man with values, right. and their values are for sale. They, right. You know, they're, right. they're not. They 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 don't have as many values as him. So okay, so he's saying no, and then what's what's going to happen? And then so already that's like a juicy premise. But then suddenly he's also got a mistress played by Sierra Payton, who is a cheerleading coach at like a high school or something. So she basically is in the first third of the movie and then we never hear about her again. She gets like two scenes. Yeah. Um, but immediately like we, he, he, we get a scene with him and her and she like grabs his dick and she's like, come on, baby, I want to, I want to fuck. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm decent now. And, um, but the scandal comes out. There's video of them in an elevator, uh, making out in a really funny way. Um, in a really non-sexual, like they don't have any chemistry. He full on just like honks her yeah, boob. It's really, it was, really it was good. extremely weird. Uh, that was the most fun Cage looked like he was having the whole movie is in that elevator <laughs> yeah. surveillance footage. Yeah. So now it's a scandal and everybody hates him. So it's like in the first like 20 minutes of the movie, we got Gulf Oil Spill. We got him making the speech. Now everybody loves him. We got him honking the lady's boob. Then and, um, now, and then and, and you know so just enough time for him to walk down the street and have people be like, "Hey, like we we're voting for you. We love you now." And then like scandal comes out, and then him walking down the street like, "Hey, boo, we hate yeah, you." Yeah, right. We hate and, you. And so already it's like, what the fuck are what are you doing? Where is this going? I don't know. And and also, I don't know. Maybe in like a post Me Too world we're a little more jaded about this kind of stuff, but I feel like the way that people treat him because of a consensual affair, yeah. it like is almost quaint. It is. In it, hindsight. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. And this movie really made me think. It, he well, I like, mean, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not saying that all politicians should be allowed to have affairs, but, no, like, but, it's but like, at the same time, it's like, you know, they had a thing for a minute and Cage decided that he didn't want to cheat on his wife. Yeah. And then that could have been the end of it. And she wasn't even trying to extort or blackmail him no. in any way. No, she, they, she was just like, they well, had a romance. yeah, they had a romance. She's like, I still like you. That sucks that you're not into it. Right. And then that would have been the end of it. Except no, the fucking reporters got involved. And it's even, it's not even clear how it came out actually. Yeah. Like the, his wife, Connie Nielsen knows. And he's like, Oh, did Tom tell you? And she's like, does it, does it matter who told me? And then the elevator well, videos. Of, on, yeah. For purposes of the plot though, I think it sort of did matter who told her, but that was never answered. That was never answered. That's not, that's (laughs) not what, uh, what Austin is worried about. The plot's not, it's not done like heaping incident on us or it's still like filling out like, cause Peter Fonda shows up. Um, so who we learn is his dad and used to be the mayor of New Orleans and, uh, had a scandalous tenure cause he was, uh, an alcoholic who was sloppy and was Peter Fauna's character based on a real mayor of New Orleans? Do you know this? I think so. I think this is all f- just fiction. Not in anything I read. Maybe he was. Um, Dude, I, you know, it's like, I'll tell you, Tarantino like rewrites history and people praise him for it. <laughs> and poor Austin Stark just tries some revisionist history and we all pile on. Yeah, we're not <laughs> being fair. Uh, um, 
Peter Fonda's like, just roll with it, baby. Like, doesn't matter. Like, people, all people don't remember the scandals. They just remember that you, they love you. Uh, just you know, which you know, it's, it's almost true. Trumpian. You know, unless you're Bill Clinton, it's true. Yeah. Well, Austin Stark said that this was uh, that he, Bill Clinton, was the politician who he was close, most closely modeling mm. this after. Um, Seems weird because no one played sax in this movie. So, <laughs> also, it just doesn't. It's nothing like Bill Clinton, except that he's like <laughs> kind of liked uh, during his tenure, and uh, he had sex once. But whatever. Nick Cage is like, well, you know, I sh- I'm going to make a statement because the other thing about it, this affair is that um, he's white and his mistress is black, and her husband is one of the fishermen who was also black who got. Uh, fucked by the oil spill and I, you know, I guess that's thorny, but he's going to, he was going to say like, yeah, I, you know what, I'm going to resign out of this Senate race. And his wife out of nowhere is like, if you drop out of the race, I'm divorcing you. So he does, he does, I guess the, the right thing he makes his choice. And he, uh, instead is a lawyer for a nonprofit that he starts to help, people affected by the oil spill. It's like we're jumping ahead an indeterminate amount of time. I think they say eight months or or something because like the person that replaced him and then is running for the position he was going to run for. Oh, the AG? Yeah, the AG. I think they say that he's only been in office eight months or something like that. So it's, you know. Right. So I guess what what I was getting to uh, was that like it's like, you know, we're setting up pieces to a story that I'm waiting for the story to sort of crystallize of what that story is. And then also those things are getting knocked down and it's introducing other stuff. It's just like, it's structured really weird because then he's, he's running a nonprofit. Well, it's weird because it sets up like four different subplots and then it just time jumps and doesn't uh, deal with the consequences of any of them. Right. Well, and And then suddenly the movie is like about him in a different point in his life. Yeah. And, and again, like, so it introduces this nonprofit. We, like we see him going to meet a bunch of fishermen. He's drinking again. He was an alcoholic, but he's gotten sober, but he's drinking again because he's sad now. And he like shows up to the fisherman late. Very, very leaving Las Vegas style <laughs> where he's like in a hotel room, just like downing a bottle of whiskey yeah. on his own with oh. all the blinds closed and the TV like blaring. Yeah. And he shows up and, and uh, he's like, Hey, I'm going to help you guys out. I'm, I'm still a good guy. And then he goes back to his nonprofit that we just learned about. And they're like, we're failing. Um, it's actually all falling apart. See the more interesting, so- sorry to keep jumping Please. in, but like these are, there's things I'm thinking about as you're going through the plot. Yeah. So in some ways this is helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the point. No, no, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I think that this, the, the, the more interesting story to me would have even been this nonprofit struggling with trying yeah. to help people affected by the oil and businesses affected that's by the oil That's what I mean, spill. pick a story. I keep waiting for him to just choose what he's doing. But like not only does not only do they pick only one story, they pick the least interesting story, well, which is like him dealing with falling in love with his like former, with Sarah Paulson, who yes. was in, somehow involved in his former campaign. Yeah. Uh, and then also dealing with the fallout with his dad and like watching his dad die. Right. And, and, and but, but neither of those things actually have to do with what I think the movie's thesis is either. Right. They're just things that Austin Stark was like, that's, those are nice, like human 
things that humans do. Yeah, they, but like <laughs> make a movie about the oil spill and about, you know, BP's inability yeah. to take responsibility and about the very real people and industries affected by the oil spill. Sure. Make that movie. That's an interesting movie. Another interesting movie, if written and arranged a little mm -hmm. differently, is a politician who is ruined by an affair, uh, but he's really a good guy at heart. And right. then he tries to like pick up the pieces of his life after the affair like ruins him politically and and ruins his relationship with his wife. Yeah, there's like I said, there's four or five big ideas in here. Each of them could have been a good movie and under different hands, but uh, instead we get instead this we get all five of them. And the movie just, is terrible. Yeah, and the movie sucks. Yeah, so it's like yeah, uh, he wants to. He tries to get Wendell Pierce to hook him up, helping with uh, this new uh, AG's Senate campaign. Wendell Pierce is like, "Nah, dog, you've been drinking, and we all <laughs> we know it's a, it's a bad look. Uh, I can't help you." And then Wendell Pierce goes away, and we don't really see him again. Um, what are you doing? Uh, he, he sees Sarah Paulson, who's also like, damn, dude, you, you got sloppy, but also like, you're looking kind of good to me right now. And, um, they, they fuck. And then also like, she is separated from her husband or the no, time. they're still, they're still together. Are they separated? But they, Oh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if they're separated or they're just, or they're just yeah, talking about having, divorcing, yeah, but they're, they're having marital problems. Yeah, right. But she's got a couple kids. She's got, a, she's living a, her own life in a different city, but they start up their own little affair. Um, and, uh, then all of a sudden his nonprofit that we learned about that was doing okay, but then it wasn't doing okay. Suddenly it got a big grant from BP. Uh, what happened? That's crazy. And, and, uh, he's popular again and, uh, people are seeing him in the street again. We get another scene of people like, Hey man, give me a pound. You're actually great. And I like you. And, uh, and th those people who made you feel bad for, uh, f cheating on your wife, they suck cause I'm going to vote for you. And, uh, so now it's a, a different thing because the it's I don't know if his wife pulled strings or what the deal is but the same lobbyist who wanted him to run the Senate campaign originally is basically there there he got BP to pump uh, some money into his nonprofit in the to rehab his image so he could run for Senate again because uh, they want him to run against the other guy yes. who is who wants to literally like pivot entirely from oil to green. He energy. wants green energy, but and they, obviously they're like, well, that's bad for us. So we're going to, it basically, they want to install a puppet regime yeah. of Nick cage so that they can still drill. So, yeah. You can do all the things that you wanted to do. Just leave uh, oil alone. And, um, because we, you're, but you're so charismatic <laughs> that you're a fucking winner. You're a thoroughbred and, uh, we, we want you back in this thing. So he, he takes the meeting with that guy and he's like, I don't know about that. And, uh, he's, and with Sarah Paulson, he's like, you know what, I'll, I'll just leave this whole thing behind. Even though there was a scene pretty soon before that where he's like, I really miss being a politician. I just miss doing it. It's, it's all I want to do. But then he has dinner with her at some point. He's like, oh, fuck it. I just want to be with you. And she's like, no, sorry. I'm going back with my husband. And uh, then also his dad dies. Um, yeah, and then his dad dies, and then he rejected by Sarah Paulson, getting divorced from his wife. His dad dies. and He uh, drives his car to his old house in a drunken... 
f- rage or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's not really it's not a even rage. rage. He does, it's, he's still in first gear uh, in his acting. He just he just decides like there's this in more capable hands would have been a very emotional moment <laughs> where he parks on the street outside of his uh, old house where his wife and is still living and he tries the remote, but it doesn't open the gate anymore. And then he, you know, gets sad about that. Uh-huh. And then he decides to drive his car through the gate, through the garage. Yeah. He floors it and, uh, hits the garage. The airbag comes up. He's all bloody and, and, uh, but his wife come through the haze. He sees his wife coming out and he's like, maybe I'm here. Um, and then she gives, she gives a speech and like, this was like, I don't, I don't want to overpraise this because uh, it's not like fucking network or something. But, <laughs> but at least it was the first like I. It was something that I was like, oh, that's a point of view, and I, I recorded it. So yeah. here, here on my phone, of course, it's gonna sound like garbage as we do. I've always been a decent man, Colin, but that's not why I married you. Listen to that southern accent. I married you because I knew you had it in you to be a great man. Great men, men who build legacies, they aren't always decent. They understand that people, they need someone to tell them what to remember and what to forget. They need great men to insulate them from frailty. What's good, what's bad, because only great men know how to make people's powerlessness tolerable. All right. So that is extremely, it's, it's cynical. And I would say like true, like, I think that is like actually like an interesting point of view that like, as far as a character thing, I don't know what her deal is. I don't know why she's like Eve with the apple for the whole movie being like compromise, compromise. But she's just like, she's like, you're a decent man and we can sell that, but you could be a great man, which means you will be a figurehead that will be good enough that people will stop being mad about, uh, how, how powerless they are. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty insightful. Um, but this comes like literally at the very, very end of the movie. And then, and we, we get that like voiceover of her sort of, of her saying that as we see him meeting with the lobbyist one last time. And then he's giving a speech to uh, a bunch of, uh, oil fishermen. Are are those fishermen? Yeah, I think. I, I think they're fishermen uh, that have whose business has been like shut down or greatly I thought, affected. I by thought the, they were like oil workers. It doesn't matter. He gives a, yeah. a speech to a bunch of people in hard hats, and he said, and he's basically like, he's like, you know what? This is all about compromise. Politics is about compromise, and uh, if we got rid of oil, we'd be getting rid of a lot of jobs, and so uh, we're we're compromising, and uh, and that's it. And this like really downbeat, like swelling, sad music uh, happens, and it just fucking ends. Okay, but this is what I mean: is like we get to the end of this story about a guy who has gone to the depths because he's stuck to his moral principles and he refuses to give up. And then in the, like literally the last three minutes of the movie, not only are we shown him going back on everything he believed in, 
but we are also given some weird, like hot air speech <laughs> about how, you know, everyone needs to compromise pretty much all the time. And there's no getting around it. That if you, that if you stand up for what you believe in, you're, you're basically a schmuck. Yeah. Well, but the, but the music is all sad, which makes me think that we're supposed to like, we're, we're, that's not actually like the movie doesn't agree with them. I think, or maybe it does, but I think it does. Think so? I think it does. I think it agrees with him. Well, if it doesn't agree with him, it does something even worse, <laughs> which basically like makes him like a turncoat, uh-huh. like in the 11th hour of the movie, which is like, why would you go? I mean, that just seems so tragic to me to, well, to, and, to make but, that choice, to go through all of this yeah. and then to have that be the final choice of the character is to just be like, fuck it. I got a hot wife and money yeah. and now I'm, a, and now I'm like running a, a race for political power. My life is good. So like, fuck all you guys right. and like, fuck the ocean. No. And I think that's, I, I think that that's what he's trying to do. What Austin, Austin's trying to do it, which could be powerful. Like it could be like an, a real indictment of our political system. Cause I think, you know, there is a lot of truth in this. Yeah. Po- politicians compromise their, whatever their beliefs to become politicians. That's, uh, that is how our system tends to work. That as a thesis, like that is the end of his thesis. Like, and that is like, so basic like yeah yeah, we know well but that's also something that you already established the within the first couple minutes of the movie so to then bring it back around again in a way that seems really disingenuous to me yeah you know because he's 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 basically saying well this is just business as usual yeah which in more capable hands might have seemed like uh uh, an indictment of the system, but uh-huh. in in the way it was handled in this movie, seems like uh, ambigu- It's bad ambiguity. It, it's bad. Like, it, I mean, it, it's obviously the worst kind of ambiguity because right. both you and I don't know what he was going for, right. <laughs> and it didn't make us feel strongly in either way. No, but it's it like, made me feel like it was a confusing. Yeah, it confused me more than anything. Like y- you, you thought that it was he was. Is sort of just uh, being like you need to compromise for uh, like that. That's how politics works. Well, yeah, because we saw a man so depressed that he tried to kill himself uh-huh. because of all these life choices he right. made. You know, based on his moral principles that like drove him to the lowest depths of of, of uh, that he's ever experienced in his life. Uh-huh. So I think that if you then show him going back on that by the end, it's kind of like a Job. It's like if Job like bitched out at the end, you know what I mean? Where it was like, you know, which isn't a good way to end a movie like that because, because it almost invalidates the entire like rest of what he went through. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in better hands, that could be a gutting thing. That could be a a really powerful thing that you see you. you, Yeah. You have someone who's just shit on by life who um, has gone through the depths and then they make that the deal with the devil at the end and we go like no no you like but you're you're, you're better than this yeah exactly because we were rooting for him to be better right. than that but, but then you also kind of get i don't know i, I but think, then, yeah but it, it doesn't land because we don't really care about him and because like the way that that i don't know just it 
I, I, I don't know, the stakes all feel fake too. Cause again, the, these people don't feel real. And then setting it against the BP oil spill it is then weird also because like, okay, that's a thing that happened. Like politicians, you could, you could make a movie about actual politicians who have more complex, interesting lives than this fake ass shit with Peter Fonda and whatever and actually be saying something about, like, you could make Treme, basically. <laughs> you could do that. Uh, or you they, could say that, hey, David Simon's already making that. I don't need to do this. You can do that and talk about real people or real shit that happened beyond, like, the the realist, like, political shit that he gets into is this surface level shit of, like, even good guys in our political system have to make compromises to big money because, but, but then even like, why, well, why does he have to make that compromise? Well, yeah, Because it's like at this point in time, especially, especially with the 2020 race ramping up, no shit. Dude. Yeah. Like that's like, that is literally the argument that we're having right now. Such and such seems like we're progressive on paper, but like, uh-huh. look at all the compromises that he or she had to make in order to, you know, Run a campaign. It's the one cut. There's one compromise that he is uh, that's dangled in front of him through the whole movie. Like, like as for a movie about politics, it's so simplistic. Oh, he he's running for Senate, and uh, the bad oil guy is like, just lay off of oil, and we'll give you money. And then he's like, no, okay, now your career is ruined for a completely different reason that ends up not really mattering because then he kind of rehabs his, his career and the bad oil guy gives him money and he's like, okay, leave, now compromise again. And he's like, no, but yes. And that's it. Yeah. That's the story. And that right. that is a toddler's idea of how political, these political machinations work. But I it's think, not this Adam and Eve shit. Yeah, but I think this just hits on what we've already said multiple times about this movie. There are certain <laughs> nuggets of it where in more capable hands, any of these yeah. plot lines or, or seemingly head-scratching choices that were ultimately made by this director for this movie could have been handled by a more competent director in a more competent way and actually could have come across as saying something relevant about the political system. Yeah, and I, you don't, know? I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's something in... Do we just expect too much from our movies, Dave? Is that <laughs> no, the problem? No, I don't think so. It's frustrating to me because there's those seeds in this movie I was... Yeah, interested in like I there we've watched like, again like outcasts like I felt like I should have been interested in it I I've seen that story in so many ways done so much better that I just didn't care but like yeah like the the Gulf oil spill was a huge thing that the ramifications are still like reverberating like all of these things that like I guess and that's why I'm like is that just me that I just I care about that kind of political, I I'm down for like a good political drama because like the compromises that politicians make and the reasons that they make of them are interesting, but it's just so rarely done well in Hollywood that like, well, the thing is there's so many real life examples that it seems stupid almost to make up a whole person and backstory to make a point where you could, I mean, I didn't think it was a great movie, but look at vice. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Adam McKay, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Adam McKay made like a real movie about a real, like about an actual evil politician. Yeah. 
that that the things that this movie's thesis, if that is its thesis about politicians making compromises, like at least like you walk out of Vice with some ideas or a, a, like the big short, like I said, another McKay thing. It's like, you know, he's making these polemics, but it's like, but he communicates the thing he wants to communicate. You you think about the things that he thinks are important. Which again, I think that just comes down to craft and experience. Yeah. And Adam McKay has a lot of it. He does. And uh, they're not Austin's, my favorite movies. Sure. But, well, like mine either. But but uh, but but at least he knows how to make yeah. a political movie that feels of its of the moment right. and feels like part of the conversation. Whereas this, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Watching it, I was like, well, so why did this movie get made? Why did Austin Stark make this movie? I found a couple interviews with him. One of them on a website called shakia.com. <laughs> <laughs> where where he spells it out which is yeah paul paul he's like i think politics are interesting and how you get good men and they end up doing bad things it's like okay but i didn't even i did look it up but i didn't need to look up why cage is in this movie because i knew that it was this what he calls the tmz epidemic it's mm. i knew that the hook for him was this thing about like how you can't be a famous person who lives a private life anymore because he's <laughs> talked about that before yeah yeah you can't go to romania and get drunk at the ghost uh writer christmas party and uh threaten to kill somebody and not have it end up in the news <laughs> You can't get married in Vegas and then and then have it annulled uh, six days later without having it end up on on the news. Yeah, you can't sing Prince in a Koreatown karaoke joint without it being news. Yeah, which like that should be fucking news. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, whoever Thank whoever videoed that and uploaded it, we yeah, are forever in your God debt. bless. I told you I talked about this on the podcast, right? That 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 happened, but my friend saw him oh, yeah. downtown in, in like uh, Nike slides, like yeah. walking, <laughs> walking to the bar, which I think is just great that he just is wearing his, he's wearing like sweatpants and Nike <laughs> yeah. slides out in public. He just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. That rules. Um, do we have anything? Can, can we just, can I drop a couple notes? Are we done? Do you think with, the I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's it. So I've talked about this on the pod before and I think, you know, one of my favorite, pieces of cage acting is when he has moments to himself where he's, where he's on screen, not interacting with any other actor and he's just by himself. Yeah. So there were two really good ones in this movie. Uh, the first one is the really dramatic scene after the affair story breaks where he's sitting like alone in his study by the glow of his laptop, just Googling himself. Yeah, I liked that too. Yeah, I thought that was great. It lasts way too long. <laughs> and there's so many cutaways to like a TMZ style, like news page, and then back to a close up of his eyes and furrowed brow. Yeah, well, he, he Googles himself and it comes up, which is something that I feel like I have it. I was like, oh, you don't see that a lot in movies, but it like, cause usually they're using like a, uh, you know, some made up search engine that right. isn't proprietary, but he Googles a, his character's name and it comes up with the pictures on the side in the little bar and then he image searches himself yeah and it's like a lot of pictures of him but then also pictures of his mistress it's <laughs> like i was like that is actually how that would go down yeah That's totally the, the that i i was in that that specific moment i was in it with his character and i was like yeah if you, if you had a scandal like a couple years ago and you google image searched yourself that's right. how it would feel totally 
And then the other one is when he's listening to the Tom Waits record. I liked that too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good scene. Um, yeah. I, I thought my music note was, uh, when they're driving and they listen to Credence, uh, yeah. Clearwater Revival, which I thought was perfect because they were a bunch of Californians pretending to be from <laughs> Louisiana. Just like Cage. It's <laughs> like Cage. So, uh, it worked. This wasn't good. It wasn't the worst. Like, it didn't make me upset, actually. Some of the ones we've been watching recently kind of made me upset. It kind of, it kind yeah, of made I, me I upset. Yeah, I think it made you more upset I than me. I think the thing that I had an issue with, at least something like Outcast or Rage or one mm-hmm. of those, uh, you can turn your brain off. Yes. It's not trying to pitch you any kind of weird indictment of, like, human nature. You know, it's just a movie with some cool action scenes where, like, Cage beats the shit out of some guys. Well, that's the thing is, is like, he's clearly, Austin Stark is clearly aiming for something higher. Because a lot of the, like, not good movies we've been watching have basically been genre movies where they're trying to make a thriller. And, like, that can, even, like, a bad thriller, like is usually there yeah you, you can turn your brain off and it's kind of like it can be fun like next we're watching pay the ghost next time <laughs> the, this one looks well i don't know i said that about this one and it wasn't interesting at all but Wait, but the, the imdb thing says a professor frantically searches for his son who was abducted during a halloween carnival <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah that's the speed that i'm used to yeah dude definitely and and i'm ready for it the, this was like i mean this guy literally watched Werner herzog make a movie and he was like okay it's my turn. I have a story to tell. <laughs> yeah, I would like to point out that I'm looking at the cast of this movie and I don't recognize a single actor other than Cage. Of Pay the Ghost? Yeah. So there's that. Uh, there's someone in it named Lyric Bent and Lyric is spelled L-Y-R-I-Q. Great. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that's going to be fun. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get back into that kind of shitty movie. The kind of shitty movie that at least knows it's a shitty movie. And then I- after that, I think we are... Back to Schrader with Dog Eat Dog. Yeah. So we're we're picking up. I, we're trucking along. I think that after Pay the Ghost, we'll be on. We'll be back on the upswing. What I bit. want from Pay the Ghost is I want it to at least reach the height of Stolen. Stol- yeah. Stolen was one of the the bad ones that we've watched recently. That I was like, that gave me the experience that I want. Yeah. Honestly, if someone, if I was at a party and people were like, hey. Do you want to watch the shitty Nick Cage movie called Stolen? I would be like, I'd be like, yeah, yeah put, put that it shit on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Stolen was, was fun. Was that the one where he melts the gold? No, I think that was rage. That was rage. Okay. Stolen was the other one in, in Louisiana where, um, right. The, right. I think he's a bad cop or something yeah. and he's just turning in that insane performance and, yeah. uh, his daughter's in the trunk. Yeah. Great, great, great movie. Great, great movie. Oh. <laughs> it's it's not a great movie, but it's compared to uh, compared to the runner, it's more my speed. I'll yeah, say that. give me some more dumb shit. Well, with that, there's only one more thing to do because we forgot to do it. <laughs> Are you ready? I am. It's it's got to take a second. Well, in the meantime. Uh, please follow us, follow us like and like subscribe us. Uh, leave reviews on the thing That's that would be thing. great um, uh, until helps. next time this, uh, I'm Miles I'm Dave this has been Heat Seeking Panther. Panther that's the name see you soon